Hey, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon, actually. My name is Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here and just really glad you're with us this morning. Um, I'm in charge of writing the announcements, and I made a mistake. I didn't give Kendra the right information. The newcomers luncheon, if you're new around here and you'd like to meet some of the leaders and pastors in the church, it's a free lunch, March 19th. You don't need to sign up or anything. You just show up in the same room where you got the coffee after the service, and we'll be there to hang out with you and get to know you a little bit. So March 19th. But hey, um, I want to talk to you guys for a second about the vision series that we're going to be starting in two weeks. And as um, I'm, I'm going to tell you some more details about it, but just, just to get us thinking about it, you know, each of the four gospel accounts that are in the Bible end a different way. So you know, like there's tons of different ways you could end a story. But the gospel writers each chose to end their recollection and their account, their inspired account from God about Jesus in different ways. For instance, the book of Mark, it ends super abruptly. It ends just with Jesus resurrecting and Mary running to tell the disciples that it happened. And that's literally how it ends, just like that. And what Mark was doing was he was trying to inspire his readers in a certain way. He was trying to inspire them and say, hey, look, Jesus resurrected. What are you going to do about it? Because this was a historical account, first and foremost. You know, um, Luke doesn't even really have an ending because Luke and Acts are actually uh, two volumes to one kind of collection, one work. But then Matthew, I just want to talk for a second about how Matthew ends, okay? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Well, that's kind of weird. Didn't, didn't like Jesus already have all authority? No, after his resurrection is when he rightfully took back all authority. So in light of Jesus having all authority in the cosmos, in the universe, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love how many layers are in here. He sends them and tells them what to do. And then he tells them to tell everyone to do what he's telling them to do. So like the apostle's job was to pass their job on. Jesus got a promotion and the apostles got his old job. And then we get his old job too. And so for this next um, season of the church's life, what we're really feeling God call us to focus on is this ministry of disciples who make disciples. Our goal is to weave into the very fabric of our church intentional disciple-making. It's not to say that disciple-making hasn't been happening, but a focus for us over the years hasn't been to equip each of us to make another disciple and to identify people who we have favor with and whoever we have a relationship with and to start investing in them strategically. There's a lot of great things we've done as a church, not trying to toot our own horn. There's plenty of areas we have to grow. And the area we feel to focus on for at least the next five years to grow in is intentional disciple-making, to weave that into the very fabric of our church. So for that reason, we're doing a vision series. You can put that up now, Stella. From uh, February 19th until April 2nd, we're going to have six different messages given that are all like little introductory keys, we believe, mindset shifts, mindset shifts 
uh, if you will, like invitations that we feel like Jesus is giving our church, little steps of growth to take on this journey. Now, these messages aren't going to like change us as a church and make us all, all of a sudden disciple makers or something like that. A lot of you guys already are disciple makers. But we want to put out there what we feel like God is saying to us to focus on. And so for that reason, we're only going to have one service for each of these Sundays. Just one service at 10 a.m. If you come at 9.30, you'll get a great seat. If you come at 11.30, you'll get an even better seat because the service will be over. So like, you can sit anywhere you want, okay? But 10 a.m., only one service. And then just pay attention that on March 12th, we'll be actually recording a new worship album in this room. So it's all original music. Luke has worked super hard on this project and Derry, and they've done an amazing job. But we're going to record it all live. Pay attention soon. You can sign up to get a sneak peek to the song so you can actually know them and sing them really loud when you come here, okay? So it's going to be awesome. 10 a.m. all those Sundays. I hope you can uh, prioritize being here for those, those weeks. So as you can see, we're set up a little bit differently this morning. Um, what we're going to be doing is what I'm going to be doing is interviewing someone. What you're going to be doing is listening to that interview, okay? Um, my sister-in-law, Jackie, her and her husband are really tied in and actually work with a ministry called Arise, Arise Kingdom Ministries. And they do kind of like um, speaking engagements and worship engagements all throughout the United States, tent meetings, equipping people, and um, really, really cool stuff. Recently, I was talking to Jackie, it was actually last fall, and she said, hey, have you met Rylan Wicker? And I was like, nope. She's like, what? You've never met Rylan? She has a crazy testimony, and a, a part of it, just a part, okay? I know I've already tooted our horn once this morning, but we're going to toot it a little more. Um, a significant part of her testimony happened at Vineyard Northwest. So I was like, okay, that's awesome. Can I get her information? I want to I wanna meet her and hear the story. And I'm thinking, cool, maybe I'll bring her to share like a five or ten minute testimony on a Sunday morning. We love sharing testimonies, you know? Well, we talked in December, and we talked for like 80 minutes, I think. It was almost an hour and a half before we ended the conversation because there's just so much to her story, so powerful, so encouraging to me. And I even felt like so many things in her story are really kind of key and little like um, things we should pay attention to as a church as we go on this mission of weaving intentional disciple making into the very fabric of our church. So I'm excited to uh, introduce, welcome up Rylan, come on up to the stage. Let's welcome Rylan, give her some love. There's your mic. All right, so Rylan, are you ready to do this a second time? Yeah, I've never been in a service back where we do it back to back. It's kind of like double blessings. <laughs> Come on. Thank you, Jesus. It just gets better. It's kind of like a stew. Yeah. It's just like the longer it cooks. <laughs> all right, and we're all hungry even more now that I just talked about that. Yeah. So before we go any further, tell us who's with you this morning. So I brought with me this morning my husband, Justin. He's on the front row there with my two Ooh. youngest daughters. We actually have six children. These are the two youngest, Athena and Violet. I also have with me my spiritual mama, Krista Alicia. And I actually have a lot of friends here supporting me today that I didn't realize. But I'm so thankful for uh, Carol and uh, my beautiful friend, Jesse. I've got a friend, Lisa. 
Brandon, uh, Mandy, they're all here and supporting me, and I thank you so much. I love you guys. They've all been, they've all played different parts of my life, and I just am thankful for each of them. I'm sure there's probably more out there too, but. Awesome. Okay, well, before we dive into your story, tell us kind of where you're at in life right now. What are you up to? You have other kids, right? And yeah, tell us a little bit, just where you're at right now. Where yeah. you live. So I live in a small town, Liberty, Indiana. It's about 20 minutes uh, from Oxford, Ohio. So I'm really close to the Ohio border. Um, but right now I homeschool my, my youngest two daughters and I work for Krista Alicia. Um, and I'm also an evangelist. And so I go around uh, wherever God sends me and just tell people about his love and what he's done in my life. Will you put up the slide that has her um, Instagram handle and all that in case anyone wants to follow her or get connected? Sweet. So you can take a picture of that. Um, Okay, so take us to kind of like the beginning of your story. I love starting the beginning. I know we have somewhere we're leading, but what was life like for you growing up? Were you raised in a Christian home? Tell us a little about that. Yeah. So I was raised in a Christian home uh, growing up. We were Southern Baptist. um, And... I lived on the same property as my grandparents, um, with my parents, and my grandpa was a pastor and evangelist, so I was in church like all the time. We did a lot of traveling, um, as evangelists do. I was on the uh, worship team at my church and also in a singing youth group that my mom led, Um, so I was very involved in the church. So what was your experience with that all growing up like? How did it impact you? Um, so I had, I had a love and a desire for God, but I don't know if some of you have experienced this being kind of like a pastor's kid. Um, you, you know a lot of the Bible and you hear a lot about God, um, but sometimes you might not have a personal relationship with him. And that was me. Like I didn't really have a personal relationship. Like I would try to be involved and I would pray to God like if I knew someone was in trouble or if I heard ambulances, uh, I would stop what I was doing and like ask God to help that person. So I, I wanted to be involved with God and, um, but I really, I didn't really know who God was for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. I can relate to that. Yeah. So not to speed through this too fast, but you kind of entered into your teenage years and had some rebellious type stuff going on. What, how did that impact your relationship with God and your family and church and stuff like that? Yeah, so when I hit my late teens, I ended up getting a boyfriend. And um, as many of you probably have experienced in life, at that age, you kind of get a little rebellious and you don't want to be told what to do. And uh, so I kind of started like doing my own thing and getting in a lot of trouble. And I remember, um, oh, I was probably about 17. My mom was telling me how I needed to put um, worship first. She's like, Ryland, I, like, I wanted to go do something with my boyfriend. And she was like, no, Ryland, like, you have this commitment to the worship team. Like, you need to be at church. And I was like, okay, fine, then I quit. Like, I'm not doing it anymore. And I actually said, I'm never going to sing again. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I went through a kind of hard road of rebellion. And um... and one of the things you mentioned to me when we talked was how your, 
grandfather had gotten sick and your mom and how that impacted you. We tell them about that a little bit and mm-hmm. what people said to you? So my grandfather, me and him were very close, like very close. Um, he was a big influence in my life and a father figure. Um, and uh, so he ended up getting sick with cancer and they told him that he only had a a few weeks to live and I had a very close family member of mine and uh, tell me that it was my fault that he was sick because I wasn't completely living right with God and so I was just a kid and I really didn't know and understand the truth so I really took that to heart and it started to kind of harden my heart towards God because I felt like if he was going to punish someone else for what I was doing, then I really didn't want much to do with him. And then my mom, a few years later, um, she ended up coming down with cancer as well. She actually suffered for 13 years of my life. Um, She had tongue and neck cancer, so she had over half of her tongue removed. She had breast cancer, so she had a mastectomy. And like all of this stuff like really took a toll on me mentally because I just didn't understand how, you know, I was believing lies that the enemy was speaking to me. I didn't understand how God would allow this to such godly people. And this was lies, of course, but in my mind, I thought that God was just torturing my family. Wow, so you really just took on the mindset, you believed what they said, mm-hmm. that you it must be your fault, and then you didn't say, okay, well, I don't believe God exists, but you're like, all right, well, then I don't want anything to do with him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and the enemy really started speaking to me um, and changing my mind to make me think that he was the good one. He would always say things like, um, you know, when you're involved with God, your life is horrible, so come hang out with me where it's good. And my whole demeanor, my whole mentality started to change the older that I got. Um, I kind of felt like if I was the one who hurt people, then I couldn't be hurt. And so I really started to not care about other people. I became lost in alcohol. Uh, I started getting into drugs to deal with um, the pain of watching my mom suffer. So, you know, I would take care of my mom and then I would go home and, you know, get high so I didn't have to think about her suffering. And, uh, yeah, it was a constant cycle of self-sabotage and just craziness. Wow. So at this time, is this around when you started your band? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the name of the band was Kissing in Graveyards. Mm Mm-hmm. And the genre is electronic witch metal, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can we show everyone some pictures of what what you were like back then? Yeah. What you're into? <laughs> yeah. So that Rylan is dead. Yeah, she's dead. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> she was dead then, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you get into that music? What how, like how did that happen? Yeah. So. Uh, no, a husband of mine got me into heavy metal. Justin? Not husband, not Justin. Um, so at this time in my life, I had been married a couple of times. And uh, this was my second marriage, and he had introduced me into heavy metal music, 
which I greatly fell in love with because I could relate to those painful lyrics and that dark sound. And so I really just started like feeding myself nonstop with this music because I felt like I could relate to all that pain. And um, eventually I, I got in this mindset that I really wanted to just start worshiping Satan pretty much. And I would fantasize about him coming into my room at night and being intimate with me. And I would actually try to summon, you know, Satan himself to come be with me. And you know how you prayed earlier about something coming to my memory? Um, Something that I've never shared that came to my memory during worship was I was actually invited um, to a home of a witch at, at this point where she asked me if I kind of wanted to be in their like demonic church. Um, I, I declined the offer, but it really uh, set my mind more into um, loving Satan and you know trying to advance his kingdom, which I tried really hard through my music to do that. Like all the music that I wrote and sang about was about how much I loved Satan and hated God and Christians. And like I would actually curse them in my music. Um, I would, I had chants in some of my music um, where I was actually trying to convert people uh, into coming to the dark side. Yeah. It's heavy. Thanks for sharing all that with us. And I just want us to kind of take note, you know, like, the point of this all isn't like who has the worst part of their story, who has the darkest thing in their past. But when I see, can we put the pictures back up? When I see those pictures, I get incredibly encouraged. I have a ton of hope. Like that person is this person. That person is now a preacher. (laughs) That person loves, like what? So I just say, man, like God's releasing hope to all of us in the room right now for anyone you know who's far from God or anyone you know who doesn't have life with Jesus. Like, it doesn't matter how bad, how twisted their mindsets are, their lifestyle is. I mean, does it get worse? Like, (laughs) I love you, but does it get worse? You know, like, and God's redemption, God's revenge is so strong and so powerful. So, okay, so your, I, I know I skipped something crucial last service, so feel free to bring me back, but the band ended, right? Mm-hmm. And tell us how that happened and what was going on there. Yeah, so um, I want to give a little backstory. This band was like my life, right? I like poured my life into this Kissing in Graveyards band, like sweat and tears nonstop. We were uh, making music with people from all over the world. It was a very big deal to me. But in 2017, God started preparing my heart and I became pregnant with my bandmate's child. And to put it in a, in a way that wouldn't be hurtful to someone in the crowd, an abortion uh, thing arose and I declined and I was like, I gotta I got get out of this to protect my child. And so I quit the band and I moved another town over and it like crushed me because I thought like I was just losing my world because music meant everything to me and I worked so hard for that band. And, um, but I, I loved her more and I felt like 
she was kind of a gift from my mom at the time because my mom had passed away and um I found out she was a girl and I was like oh a girl like we don't have girls in my family like I have five brothers and uh and you had several sons right yeah point. I had two sons already at that point and so I was just super excited and I wasn't a very good mom to my sons uh and so I was like, you know, this is my chance to like really try and be a good mom and get it right. And um, so that was my new goal. And then shortly thereafter, I met my now husband, which is Justin. And uh, he helped me with raising my daughter. And then uh, we ended up having my youngest, Athena. Well, after Athena, I started suffering really bad from postpartum depression. And like everything set me off. I remember one day Justin went to the doctor for an illness and he came back with like some sort of anxiety medicine. Like he wasn't even planning on getting that, but the doctor prescribed it. And I like went off on him and I was like, how dare you get that medicine? Like I need it, what are, what are you thinking? And like I was just off the hinges, like yelling at him and poor guy didn't even know what to do. He's just looking at me like, sorry. <laughs> And um, it was really not a good time in my life. I was very broken. I felt like I really didn't have any purpose. Um, but I was really trying to focus on the kids and being a good mom. And so I ended up quitting my job. And uh, it was my birthday. And so I dyed my hair purple, like a really bright purple, like crazy purple. And, uh, That's what I'm planning to do on my birthday. Yeah. It's pretty, it looks pretty nice. But uh, yeah, I dyed my hair this purple and I was like, I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to focus on being a mom because now I have this opportunity because my husband's working and he can take care of us. And I was just so happy on my birthday and my brother came over and spent time with me and it was just a really great birthday. And then the hospital calls me and offers me my job back. And, but they, they made a deal with me with this job so I could still like be a good mom. So they offered me to work less time, but I was able to keep my retirement, which was a really good deal for me. And so I was like, okay, that's great, but now I need to get this hair color out of my hair because you can't work in a hospital with purple hair. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, um, I get on Facebook. I'm like, who? is the best hairstylist around. Like, I don't care how much it costs. My hair is special to me. I don't want to walk out with 10 inches cut off and it fried. I'm like, who's the very best around? And they were like, Krista Alicia at the Rose Room in Oxford. And so I was like, okay. I got enough uh, people telling me this, so I'm going to book my appointment. And I did. And um, so I go there to get my hair color removed. And as I'm sitting there in her chair, she starts ministering to me. Um, but it's in a way that I had never experienced before in my life. And I had been in church really quick, a long so, time. Yeah, where are you at in your faith journey at this point? Like, how dressed like that were you? How active and yeah. witchcraft stuff were you when you uh, went to the hair appointment? I still very much hated God. I, I didn't want anything to do with him. Like, I... I believed that God was real, but I hated him because I thought that he was just killing my family. I didn't think that he was good. 
I wanted no part of him. Like, I was so cold. If my children got sick, you would not catch me asking for prayer. Like, a lot of people get on Facebook, like, pray for my kid, you know? No way. I was not going to ask God for anything. And my heart was even so cold. Like, right before my mom died, she was, like, in her last days, my band held a benefit concert for her. And she asked me to sing the song Amazing Grace, and I denied her of her last wish. I was like, there's no way. There's no way I would sing of God's grace when my next song is going to be about how much I hate him. And so I was very cold. I didn't like God, and so, I didn't like Christians. <laughs> <laughs> so then Krista comes into the picture yeah. and starts ministering to you. What, what do you mean? What was she doing when she was doing your hair, ministering to you? So she was ministering to me in a way that I had never experienced before. And I was in church and around Christians a lot. Like my family was still Christians, even though I was not. And she was just telling me things that God had did in her life, but also telling me things that God was saying to her about my life. And she knew a lot about me without me even having to tell her because God was giving her words of knowledge. And I was just thinking like, wow, like this is so weird. Is she psychic? Like I didn't understand really who she was. And I'm like, I've never, you know, Southern Baptists, you know, they don't really prophesy. (laughs) That was a learning curve for me. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, wow, like this is strange. And, um, but she does my hair for free and she ended up giving me makeup and then she takes me outside and asks if I would be her friend. She's like, I, I really feel drawn to you and I'd really like to be your friend. And I looked at her and I'm like, I don't really have any friends. And she's like, it's okay, I don't either. And I'm like, oh, okay. And uh, Very was, normal stuff, by the yeah. way, Krista. You know, <laughs> that's what I do all the time. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess we can be friends. Like, sure. And uh, <laughs> really, I wasn't thinking that. Um, but I get in the car and I'm like so excited to like tell my husband what was going on because I found it to be way creepy. And I'm like, Justin, like you will never guess what happened at the hair salon. Like, this girl did my hair for free. She gave me makeup. She told me stuff about God. I'm like, like I, how did she know that? I don't know. Maybe she's psychic. I don't really know. But she was telling me all these things, and then she asked me to be her friend. And he's like, "You should. That sounds cool." I'm like, "No, no, 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 Justin. You don't understand. She's not like us. She loves Jesus." <laughs> And he's like, that's fine, that's great. And I'm like, okay, whatever you say. And uh, she kept inviting me to things. And in the beginning, like, I kind of blew her off because I was a little nervous about her, didn't really know what this whole prophecy thing was, so it creeped me out a lot. And um, finally, my roots came in on my hair, and I needed another hair dyeing job. <laughs> I hate it when that happens to me. <laughs> I know. Uh. Those darn roots. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, I have these roots to deal with. Uh, and I really liked that last girl, even though she was kind of weird. I think I'm going to go back to her. And so I set up my next appointment. And um, before I met Jesus, I was like riddled with anxiety. And um, I really couldn't go anywhere without my husband. And uh, so he went with me, which he usually always did go to the salon with me. Um, bless him. He never 
denied me really anything that I asked him. Um, so he went with the salon, to the salon with me, and Krista started ministering to us both that day and just kind of telling us what God had done in her life, and I, I believe she even prophesied it to Justin some. And then she invited us to a soaking session at her church. And we were a little reluctant to go, but we ended up going, and we both had a really good time. We got some really good uh, things prophesied over us, but I wasn't completely sold on it. And um, it planted seeds in both of us, but we were both like kind of on the fence of what we wanted to do. And um, then she ended up inviting us to a Christmas party. And um, Justin's car broke down, and so he was like, I'm sorry, I can't go to the Christmas party with you. You're going to have to go by yourself. And I was, like, freaking out, because here I am with anxiety. I hate going places by myself. Uh, all these people, like, love Jesus. I didn't really love Jesus. I'm like, I kind of like her. I kind of want to go and check it out. But on the same, like, I don't want anything to do with this. And, like, I fought with myself forever about going. And I'd go back and forth from the house to the barn, like asking Justin if I should go, and he would tell me yes, and then I'd talk myself out of it. It was a long process. But then finally my dad showed up, and I asked him what he thought, and he's like, you should go, you need friends. And I'm like, thanks, Dad, that's great. And so I end up getting in the car and going, and on my way there to the Christmas party, I was kind of having this inner dialogue with myself, but kind of talking to God at the same time. And I'm like, I'm such a hypocrite. And I was like, you probably hate me, don't you, God? Like, here I am going to these church things. I don't even like you. I'm not even really sure why I'm going. Like, none of this even makes sense. I was like, you probably just hate me. And I get there, and the party's great. Everyone was wonderful. And at the end, Krista and her team went around and they were like praying and prophesying over people and they get to they get to me and the first thing that comes out of Krista's mouth to me was God said he doesn't hate you and I was like what like God really said that I was like I literally just said that in the car you probably hate me don't you God and now he's talking through a prophet saying he doesn't hate me you would think this would really change someone but yeah so that's good. I want to pause just for a second and us all to notice, like, think about this story almost like a case study, you know? So how I used to think about evangelism was, hey, all I need is the one miracle moment or the one word of knowledge or the one healing, and then boom, that person, give their life to Jesus, they're going to love the Bible the next day, come to church, start a small group, and then they're going to disciple other people, you know? <laughs> that was like my mindset. Um, but look at what true, how the true story of transformation works. Like three miraculous moments where stuff was being said to Rylan that she could never, the people that said to her could never have known. It's clearly supernatural. It's clearly God pursuing her. But it was a process. So I just want to, like, that encourages my heart so much to be faithful in relationship. Krista was just being faithful in relationship to Rylan year after year, day after day. And we're going to get to the mic drop moment here in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So you would think that after hearing that at the Christmas party, I would have been like, yeah, like Jesus is listening. But I wasn't. Like it planted seeds. And I was still like 
intrigued and interested and curious, but I wasn't changed. And then um, a few days later, my brother, my Irish twin, who I was very close with, he committed suicide. And I was. So this is December 2019. Yeah, December 2019, and uh, I was totally crushed. I remember when my grandma woke me up in the middle of the night to tell me that he had killed himself. The first thing that I heard was the enemy speaking to me, and he said, "See, Rylan, every time you get close to Jesus, something bad happens." And I recognized in that moment that it was the enemy which I had never really recognized the enemy speaking to me before, but through Krista's discipleship, even before I gave my life to Jesus, I recognized the voice of the enemy, and I knew it was a lie. Well, again, same thing of like the time she put in with you beforehand. Yeah. That's so amazing. Okay, so that's horrible. I'm so, we're all so sorry about that. What happened next? So then my husband, knowing that I was completely broken, he contacted Krista and asked her if she would come uh, speak to me uh, because I really needed some encouragement. So she ended up driving out to my house, which was almost an hour away from her. Um, But she ended up driving out to my house and she came into my room and I felt horrible because I had all this like witchcraft stuff everywhere. Because my house was Halloween, like, all the time. Like, I had all kinds of... So the walls were, like, painted black and stuff, right? Before I moved in with my grandma, my house, walls, ceiling, it was black. Wow. All of it. (laughs) But I moved in with my grandma uh, shortly. Um, Yeah, I had been living with her for, like, a couple of months at this time. Because me and my husband were looking to buy a different house. But, yeah, my, my previous house was completely black, witchcraft, evil stuff everywhere in every room my kids were always like my mom is so weird (laughs) but uh when I moved in with my grandma the only thing that I could really have like decorated my style was my bedroom and so Krista comes into my bedroom and I felt horrible and I was like um I'm really sorry this is probably really uncomfortable for you and she's like no it's fine I like it And, you know, even though she didn't really like it, uh, (laughs) well, she said that God was prophesying. um, Well, she'd have to tell you this part. She had Salem witch stuff everywhere, and Salem signed peace over her because she was known as chaos. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, she didn't make me feel condemned about my room at all. So she came over to sit with you as you're grieving. Yeah. So she came. She prayed with me. It was, it was really actually very comforting, even though like I wasn't following Jesus at the time. It was very comforting to know that somebody that you know, didn't have to be there came to be with me. And um, so a few days later, well, it was probably like a week later, she calls me up and asks me if I wanted to come to the healing rooms here at the vineyard, and I was like, I, I don't know. Like, I hadn't had a shower that day. I had been up in the chair crying all night, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to go. Like, I had never been here, but I imagined in my head, like, a Cincinnati church being huge, and so it was kind of intimidating, because I'm like, that's a lot of Christians, probably. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know if I want to go there. And uh, so I fought with myself for like probably two hours on whether I should come or not. 
And finally, I looked at my husband and I said, I'm gonna go, but I'm only gonna go for one reason. I'm going to test God because if he really cares about me, if he really loves me, he'll meet me at the vineyard. And so I got in the car and I drove to Oxford and met up with Krista and she drove us here. And I was put in a room with three people and um, they were praying for me. They kind of were asking me like, you know, what I need a prayer for. And I told them, you know, my brother just killed himself. I was really heartbroken. They were prophesying to me at the same time, like telling me things that God was saying, totally reading my mail again. I'm like, what is up with these people? Like, how did they do this? <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, wow, this is something else. And, you know, when I, when I thought that it was just about all to end, um, this man looks at me and he says seven words that changed my entire life. He said, God said you're here to test him. And I that was exactly what you had said. That God. was his exact words. God said you're here to test him. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was like, you are so right. That was my exact words to my husband. Like, and that guy's sitting right over here. Rod, stand up. Stand up, Rod. Come on. I'm trying to see Rod. Oh, yeah. 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 That, yeah. Don't get me crying. Okay. So This is probably the first time you've seen Rod since that day. Yes. Yeah, it is. Actually, I did see him once, I believe. I took Micah's School of Prophetic Ministry online, and I believe he was on stage one night. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You were. Because I was like, oh, that's him. That's the guy. <laughs> Yeah. So then how did you respond to that word from the Lord? Uh, it, it was like a, a light bulb switch in my head. I was like, wow, like God really does love me. Like, it was no coincidence. Like, I, there was no way that he could use the same exact word. Like, I was like, this is just nuts. And then uh, Rod and the two others that were with him um, you know, they asked me if I was following Jesus. I said no, and they like led me through, um, you know, kind of a prayer of accepting Jesus. Uh, you know, I heard the sinner's prayer a million times. I probably said it 50 times as a child, but I knew like this time was different. And I, I told God, I'm like, I have lived my life the way that I wanted to, and I obviously didn't get it right. And like, I don't even want this life anymore. Like you can have it, do whatever you want with it. If you tell me to go somewhere, I'll go. If you tell me what to say, I'll say it. Like, I don't care, here's my life. It's yours, do whatever you want with it, God. Come on. Yeah. And so I was a little bit speechless when I left that day. And I just remember like riding in the car home, like looking out the window and like, it just seemed like the whole entire world looked different and I was seeing through like new eyes. It's really hard to explain. Um, but I just had this burning desire to like follow God, to truly know him and to, to just love him like I had never before. 
Like there was a time in my life when my grandpa was sick where I went to church and like I begged God to like help me and I'll change if you just do this, I'll follow you forever. And then I walked out and I lived the same exact life, never trying to even, you know, talk to God again. But this time it was like I had this hunger to know him. Like I wanted to pray constantly. I wanted to talk to every Christian I could just to like find the truth. I went to the school of kingdom ministry the the first year that I got saved. And then the second year I took Micah's school of prophetic ministry. In Oxford. Yeah. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Wow. Oh, so powerful. So cool. I want to hand it to you. You had a kind of a word for us. I mean, let's just give it up again. That's so amazing, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Just want to honor really quick Jim Freeberg. Many of you know Jim Freeberg. He passed away several years ago, but he started Healing Rooms. And you know, he, got, he was actually there the day that Ryland got saved and gave birth to Jesus. But he didn't get to watch the growth and transformation and her be launched into ministry. Let's live, but, but think about that. Like, we might not see, what I'm sure you guys, we might not see some of the most powerful fruit from our lives. But if we will live trusting God and, and obeying him and going after it and receiving his love, then he's going to use us years down the road, sometimes we'll see it immediately, to produce more and more and more Rylands. Yeah. So just be encouraged by that. But Ryland, what did God, you said God gave you some stuff for us, as if he didn't already give you a ton for us. Like, I'm so encouraged right now. But what else yeah. did you want to say before we close? Yeah, so I was spending time with God um, the last few days just kind of asking him, like, what was on his heart for this church and like what what did you want like god what do you want to say to not only me but to the people around me that are going to be here today and um i took some notes so i wanted to say it is well god was saying this to me but it is by no mistake that i am here today in the very place i encountered god's love that led me into a total life transformation I've been following Jesus faithfully for three years now, consistently examining myself and asking the Holy Spirit for guidance in all things. The number three biblically represents divine wholeness, completeness, and perfection. I believe God waited three years in this very day to bring me here to speak with you. He wanted to share with you exactly what can what love can do in a person's life with your obedience. Without Krista and David's obedience to Christ, my life could have looked very different. Without Rod's obedience to Christ and willingness to pray for people, being part of the healing rooms, my life could have been very different. I believe God waited three years to bring me here to prove his love is not something that fades with time, but grows and is consistently being transformed from glory to glory. He waited three years to prove when we walk in love demonstrated that there is no force in hell that can prevail. When we walk in love demonstrated, he is undeniable. February is known as the month of love in our culture. The number 14, the day we celebrate Valentine's Day, specifically represents deliverance and salvation. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world 
that he gave his only son. How amazing we celebrate love on a day that represents God's unmeasurable love for us. Not to mention, the second month in the Bible is Zif, May, and I happen to have been born in May. The number five, today's date, symbolizes God's grace, goodness, and favor towards humans. Not only does that reflect my life story, but my birth name meaning was also grace. I feel like God is saying, today will mark a new era. Eyes will be open to God's perfect love. A new awareness will fall onto the hungry and they will begin to encounter God in ways they never knew possible. There will be a shift in focus. No longer will the focus be on sin, a debt that's already been paid, but on righteousness, a desire to walk in holiness in love demonstrated is going to fill this place like never before. Those who sat in silence before are gonna find their voice as the Holy Spirit sets their hearts ablaze with an overwhelming joy and desire for worship. Complacency will no longer thrive on the seats whispering in the, in the ears of the deaf, but ears shall be opened in Jesus' name. The deaf will hear the blind will see, and the mute will sing with songs of praise and worship. Hallelujah. Amen to that. Come on. We receive that word. Seriously. Let's just say that. We receive it. Amen. Oh. Will you pray for us to close? Of course. Cool. Will you guys all stand up? Yeah. And then I want to also welcome the prayer teams to come down to the front right now. Please come on down. We'd love to pray for you for anything you need. But especially if you're um, kind of checking Jesus out, you're exploring Jesus, you're somewhere where Ryland used to be, uh, we'd love to pray for you. Jesus loves you a ton. Come down and get prayer. These people are nice and friendly, and they all have mints in their mouth, so it's even better, okay? <laughs> pray for us, please, Ryland. Oh, Father, I just thank you so much for bringing me back here today where it all started. God, you are so incredibly good and kind and loving. And I just thank you, God, that you do not keep offense in your heart towards us when we do wrong towards you and your people, God. That you are quick to forgive us, quick to pick us up, and dust, off, dust us off and show us how much we are loved. And God, I know that you brought people here today, that you drew them here today to encounter you and to experience you in a way that they have never known. And God, I just ask that you give that person courage today, hope today, to surrender their lives, to say, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore on my own, God. So I surrender. I fully surrender my life to you. Take it and do what you will. God, I just ask that you bless. Bless everyone in here, God. Bless them. And God, just give them the strength that they need today to come to you and to lay their life down because you are here and you are willing 
to forgive. You're willing to love God you love so much. You gave your son. So God, I thank you. I thank you. And I just encourage you, if you came here today and you were in the place where I was, where you were just broken and you couldn't take any more and you just needed a touch from God, you didn't care how you got it, where you got it, you just needed that touch. God says, come, come you weary ones, come. Don't be afraid, do not be afraid. He says, where are my remnant, the ones who are no longer satisfied with sitting on the sidelines? Where are the ones? Where are the ones that are gonna come and lay their life down and be example of my love, who's no longer willing to hold a fence in their heart toward their brother, but they put their own desires, their own hurts to the side and say, God, here I am. Here I am. I'm no longer gonna hold this in my heart. God, do whatever it takes. Kill the old me. Let me rise up to live in you, Jesus. Make me look like you more and more every day. Let your love pour over me. Invade my soul, invade my mind, invade my heart, invade my actions, everything that I do. Let it be done in love. The world wants to try to tell us we need to do this and act this way and be this way. And they want to put all these rules on us and make make it so hard. God says, it's not hard. Love me. Love your neighbor. It's not hard. Church, I invite you to come today. If you, if, if you have yet to experience God, to encounter him, I will pray with you myself. But I invite you to come today as an act of faith and just say, God, here I am. Here I am. Take it. Take everything that I am and use it for your kingdom. Use it for your glory. Every single part of me is yours. Yeah, Lord, we just say amen to all of that. Use us, God. We won't settle, Lord. We're not going to be complacent. And I just pray that, you know, the temptation is for us all to clap and be like, yay, Rylan. Lord, let a soberness rest on us. I pray you'd imprint our heart with a soberness. This isn't a show. We're not here to be entertained or to get our fill or to get fed. We're here to be mobilized, experience your love, and to be sent out. So, Father, we just receive Rylan's words in Jesus' name. Amen.